This is episode 12 of the Latter-day Saint Geeks podcast. I'm Spencer, and in this episode, Michael and I discuss why you should get into Avatar The Last Airbender. Welcome again to the Latter-day Saint Geeks podcast. I'm Spencer, and we're I'm joined today with Michael, who is actually going to be taking the reins today as he tries to convince me to get more invested in Avatar The Last Airbender, um, which I did not grow up watching. We'll get to that in a minute. I watched it as an adult, but watched more Korra than Avatar, actually, probably. But we'll address that in a minute. I'll let Michael take the lead from here. Awesome. Thanks. So before we begin talking about Avatar The Last Bender, what we always do in every podcast is share something that we want to recommend. So one thing I would like to recommend to the audience is the the uh, the Canis trilogy. Uh, let's it makes see. me think of werewolves. Am I in the right? Nope. Nope. Uh, it's by That's James. <laughs> <laughs> it's written by James uh, Islington. Sorry if I'm mispronounce his last name he's only written four books and three of the three of those four books is this trilogy hmm. and if you ever like heard of the uh, book series or the television show on amazon called wheel of time yeah are you a little hesitant about like getting invested in 15 book series <laughs> then you might want to try this series to see if you like it because it's very like it definitely takes a lot of themes from the Wheel of Time books into into this in the in this trilogy. So it's very similar. So if you want the same franchise, it's it's both fantasy novels, different authors, but not the same uh, franchise. Just the same genre. The same genre. Yeah. So I, I really liked it. I thought it was, to me. <laughs> yeah. I really liked the series. I thought it was really fun. Um right now I'm almost done with the second book, but I would highly recommend it. Awesome. Yeah, I've uh, been curious about Wheel of Time, but for the same reason as the Cosmere books, like it's just so many books to get invested in that not the thing I have the uh, bandwidth for at the moment but a trilogy it, i can i can get behind and yeah, actually that's a perfect segue for my recommendation unless you have more to say on yours nope uh, let's continue on so my recommendation um is a based on a recommendation that was given to me by a patient um who's a big star wars fan and she recommended to me first the uh, uh, an Ahsoka book, um, but also the Thrawn trilogy. Now there's a Thrawn trilogy that's part of the Legends canon that kind of got the back burner or whatever when Disney took over. But the Thrawn trilogy that she recommended for me was is in line with the canon of Rebels and Clone Wars and all that. Um, I've only read the first book of it so far, but I got a, an additional Audible credit today that um, I can finally purchase the third Thrawn book. 
which was what I was waiting for. I didn't want to start the trilogy over or any of that until I had all three books in hand, so to speak, or in my Audible library. Now, how much of a Star Wars fan are you? And how much does this like satisfy that need or does it not really feel like a Star Wars book? So we'll actually get into this in a future episode because um, we are, I'm, I'm meeting with a couple of my, I call them my Star Wars gurus about to discuss the future of Star Wars, which it could be a very controversial, um, but also very exciting episode. Um, probably coming out in March or April. Um, but I mean, I grew up watching the original trilogy and the pre prequel trilogy, but my dad was more of a Trekkie than a Star Wars fan, even though our family enjoyed both. But the biggest thing for me is that I loved Rebels and Thrawn is just such a chilling villain. And his portrayal in Ahsoka was I jaw-dropping. I loved it. And the one, the first of the trilogy that I've already watched, or already read, just gives such backstory and just like insight into how his brain works that in some ways it gives me more empathy for the character and in some ways it makes him more chilling. So I'm excited to read the other two books. And I might be recommending this one again once I can actually recommend the other two books. But I can at least recommend the first one. <laughs> and Sounds it's a good great. standalone book too, just saying. Yeah. Because you've if, read it as well, right? I've read it too. So if you like Sherlock Holmes or any type of like mystery novels, I feel like that scratches this itch because like yeah. Don is just so intelligent. And he's just like feels yeah, so superior. Mm -hmm. Especially it I mean, all Sherlock Holmes, I'm sure, but if you ever watched the BBC Sherlock, it's kind of the same insight that they give uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, all the little but because of uh, how Thrawn's uh, brain works and just how his species is physiologically i think they even see an infrared was part of it i can't remember don't quote me on that <laughs> and i and i really liked listening to the book because uh the voice actor the, the uh, voice actors is really good and it has like star wars uh music in the background and oh and then when enough. and then what i really liked is when thrawn is thinking to himself you can tell that he's thinking to himself because the noise in the like the noise that's happening or the music that's happening while he's like dialoguing to himself. So it's very interesting to like hear the difference between him talking to someone else versus him talking to thinking to himself. So. Yeah. We could probably go off on that one, but that's just my yeah. recommendation. And. So let's get into why we'll probably, we could, we could both listen to that book again and discuss the book itself on a future episode. So let's yeah. move on. Yeah, let's do that. So let's go into uh so of course the reason why we're doing this podcast episode is because the live action is premiering on February twenty second, just in a couple of days. Or if you're watching this late, it just happened. <laughs> yeah, this, but, this podcast episode is gonna release the same week that the live action series releases, mm -hmm. basically. So so before we go into our debate. Uh, do you mind, Spencer, going into your history of Avatar? I know you mentioned it just briefly, but like, do you mind going to like 
talking about a little bit more, like who recommended it and why you watched it and your feelings. Yeah. So, well, and first, and just to make this clear, we're kind of doing this in honor of the live action series coming out, but we're not discussing the live action series, the movie we don't talk about, <laughs> or this is, this episode is in honor of the live action series coming out, but it is about the cartoon. So we are going to withhold judgment on the live action series with all the rumors and whatever that have come about. That's a content for a future episode or a future uh, blog post. Um, today, just the cartoon. Yep. Um, but yeah, my history in two minutes or less. So the thing that you got to understand about growing up in Canada is that we get like certain shows syndicated, not all of them. And living on the Western side of Canada, the shows all came out on those syndicated youth kids channels, usually in Eastern time. So even if a show was like coming, was on at six o'clock, it was, Oh gosh, I can't even do the math right now. Basically, sometimes shows that were even kid appropriate came on after my bedtime because that's just how the time zones and channels worked. So honestly, in a lot of ways, I just didn't have a chance to watch Avatar as a kid. I saw commercials, I remember it, but whether my allotted TV time was prioritized by Digimon and Pokemon or Disney or whether it was on too late for me to watch, it just didn't happen. Um, but then when I was in college, my roommates at BYU one summer, back when Netflix did DVDs, they like binged a whole, I don't even know, I don't know if it was a whole series or portion of it, but I caught episodes here and there. I remember the, um, shoot, what's it called? The, the play, the fire. Oh yeah. The, uh, Fire Nation play about everything that happened in the series. Ember Island players. Oh, I'm going to get some flack for this. (laughs) But yeah, I saw like bits and pieces and got intrigued about it. But just again, never really crossed my radar at the right time. And then when I was working with guys with mental disabilities, one of my guys really wanted to watch um, Avatar and Legend of Korra with me. But he basically he put me on to Legend of Korra because I'd seen parts of Avatar and I, I don't always try to understand the way that his brain worked. I just kind of went along for the ride as to why we watched this or that. But he really wanted me to watch it. Um, so I did. And I, I liked Korra well enough. But still, just didn't cross my radar until it hit Netflix. When it hit Netflix, I'm thinking, okay, my friends love this. I know so many people that love Avatar and swear by it. Let's do this. So I watched all of Avatar The Last Airbender and all of Legend of Korra and enjoyed it. But it didn't sell me on the, in the same way that many of my friends just adore it. And it's probably in part the nostalgia factor. So part of today is just Michael's going to try to convince me not to give it another chance, but just to get more invested in the, the franchise. Because um, I enjoyed it. I just didn't have the 
heartfelt connection that uh, many of our other uh, contributors have here. Okay, I think that was definitely more than two minutes. <laughs> but Michael, your history uh, with Avatar, two minutes or less. See if you yeah. can <laughs> Yeah, that's totally fine. So uh, I started watching this series from day one. Like I remember there was commercials on uh, Nickelodeon advertising this new show called Avatar The Last Bender. I remember my friends and I would just, we talked about watching the show and it was, we didn't, we didn't talk about watching the show together. We just talked about watching the show at our own houses. And then we'd come and talk about it. And then we watched the first two episodes. Cause I think they released the first two episodes when it was released. And then the Nickelodeon just kept replaying those two episodes. And so we kept <laughs> watching those same two episodes and then it became three episodes and then they kept replaying those same three episodes and then the three became four and so on and so forth. And we just loved this series from that. And we we would quote the series to each other, like Secret Tunnels. We'd seen that in in high school even. And we just were dorks about it because we just enjoyed watching the show because it was just a fun show that had action. It had a good storyline, character development, all these things that we just, well, we probably didn't realize, but what made a good show a good show. And so, like, right now, I'm actually watching Avatar The Last Airbender with my wife, for the, and this is her first time watching the series, so we'll see what she thinks after uh, she finishes the show. I know she talked about writing a guest post for us. I would love for her to write a guest post for us about her impressions after watching it the first time all the way through. Uh, it might take a long time because we are we don't have that much time together. So we watch the series together as a couple. And that that really happens. That happens <laughs> but, when we have two little kids. So Yeah, exactly. Understandable. That happens with us too. So, all right, with, so that's my uh, history with Avatar. So let's go into the the explanations of why I think this is a great show yeah, and why you should get more invested. Yeah, and <laughs> why you should be more invested. Um, and the first one's going to be a low ball one, but I think it's really cool oh, that this is happening, especially with the upcoming live action occurring. So one of the best uh, side characters or like recurring gag <laughs> yeah recurring gag is the cabbage the cabbage merchant My and cabbage. yeah like just think about how like evil ang and the gang are because they keep on destroying this guy's cabbages and he's probably not realizing the whole story just if you think of well, his not. yeah if you just think of his like his daily life and he's just trying to get away from these ruffians who always destroys his cabbages, and wherever he goes, there they are destroying his cabbages over and over and over again. Over the course of visiting the four nations, or four nations, or I can't remember how it's all the worlds divided up, but oh, like the whole world they're traveling over and always somehow ends up in the wrong place. Yep. And it's just comedic relief, and I just love that. And I think one of my favorite lines from him is when we first introduced to him, they destroy his cabbages and Aang and the gang are arrested. And he tells uh he tells their Earth Nation leader, saying, Oh, 
one head for each head of cabbages should be lost. <laughs> so he's expecting like them to die because they destroyed his cabbages. And I thought that was like, he's just a fun reoccurring character. And what I really like is uh, James C that the voice actor for the cabbage merchant, he's going to reprise that role in the live action show. Ah, that's just wonderful. So that's one of the things that I knew about Avatar from just from memes and stuff before I started, before it hit Netflix. And it's, I loved The Cabbage Merchant before I ever saw the show properly. And I mean, last year for our green uh, St. Patrick's Day, you did a blog post on it and it's just wonderful. Like who doesn't love The Cabbage Merchant? <laughs> and there's so much like fan fiction about The Cabbage Merchant. Oh, like, yeah, like there's people have, come up with creative stories about the cabbage merchant and how he get, gets his revenge on Aang in the game or not yeah, knowing that he's the avatar for you is to find a few of your favorites and recommend them right. <laughs> sounds good but that that's my first point of like why why you should be invested because if there's this like if the side character is that great then that means all the characters are great oh yes mm-hmm and so, and that leads up to my next point. One of your favorite shows is Digimon Adventures. Digimon period, but yes. Digimon, Digimon Adventures, where it all began. Mm -hmm. And I love Digimon Adventures too. Um, and then after Digimon, the first season or the first group of Digimon kids, Adventures Zero Two, season two. Yeah, they, 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 they became a new group of kids in Zero Two. And I think one of the most interesting characters, and you probably agree with me, is Ken Ichijoji. Ichijoji, or that's the American way that they said it. I, someone who speaks Japanese is probably cringing at me right now. <laughs> yeah. But like, why why is he such a good character? I mean, and I, I have mental blog posts planned to dive into this, of course, because I have mental blog posts about everything that may or may not actually come to fruition. But he goes through this character arc and I'm, I'm sure you're leading into Zuko here that he realizes just how awful he's been. And he, he does everything he knows how to make amends and redeem himself. And when once he was the enemy, the antagonist, like the antithesis to the Digidestin, in the end, he becomes like in a way, it, it, at some points, they're saving grace that they could not have won some of the later battles without him. And I really just think it's interesting because, like, he's the first arc uh, villain. And then for the rest of the series, he ha he's like, he goes through this uh, redemption arc where he feels like he's not worthy to be redeemed, but yet he wants to try his best to help other people. Or to help uh, fix the digital world. And then he always reflects like, oh, he's the reason why the digital world is so messed up. And like, you can see the trauma that that builds. And that leads up to like Zuko, who is renowned to have one of the best redemption arcs in the entire series. Like in the, there's three seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender. And two of those seasons, so two thirds of the show, he is the enemy, and he's out to get Aang. And well, there comes like a the point. First season, he's 
searching for Aang. The second season, he's kind of an outlaw himself. And then the third season is his redemption. Yeah. But he's still like kind of out oh. for Aang in the second season. Yeah. And even in the second uh, season where he's just like an outlaw, like there's a point where he's in jail with Sakura and he's able, like he has to make a choice to either help Sakura or help his family or help the Fire Nation. And he chose the Fire Nation over helping the good guys. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that leads to Sakura not trusting Zuko when he is part of the gang and is trying to help Aang master firebending. And it's just so beautiful just to see how Zuko feels, how Sakura feels, how Aang feels, and all these other characters feel when Zuko has changed. Just the forgiveness that it all goes into it. Mm-hmm. Which leads up to my next point of like how each character is so complex. Like it's not like a, it's not like one of those kid shows where every character is like, oh, you used to be bad, but now you're good. And we don't know why you're good, but we trust you that you're good. So yay, we have another good guy. Let's go beat the final boss. Do-do-da, la, 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 la. <laughs> but each character has their own perspective and their own like character development. And they have, and they use the three seasons to be able to stretch that forth and to, like, build these characters. For example, like even though Sokka is known for his comedy relief, um, he he still has a lot of serious moments. How to be a leader and to be a warrior, even though uh, he has no abilities or no bending powers. Also, uh. There's no Mary Sue type characters. Like, you could easily say Aang and Katara could be Mary Sue's, but they also are... They've got their traumas that they have to work through. Yeah, they have traumas that they have to work through. Aang really just wants to have fun and play around, but yet he, like, knows that he has to do something he doesn't want to do. Katara uh, seems very motherly and tries to be her best, but also she learns blood blend bending, and she has to forgive Suko, oh. and she doesn't want to. So she does all these things, and she steals at one point, too. And then even, like, the more, like, the most Christ-like character is Iroh, and technically, he's a bad guy at the first season. Like, he's there to capture the Avatar. I would put quotes around that, but... He's trying to help his uh, nephew capture well, the Avatar. His allegiance has always been to Zuko, not to the Fire Nation, right? Yeah. And then let's also talk about just his physical transformation from dad bod to... Uh, I was trying to make a bad pun, but like he gets jacked. Mm-hmm. So the physical transformation to go along with it. Like, Agro yep. is like dad bod goals. <laughs> exactly. And even though, uh, like, even though the, the story is very, like, good versus evil, they still blur those lines of what what means to be good and what means to be evil. Uh, like, the episode with Jet, like, the Fire Nation really destroyed his family and done horrible things. And so Jet is trying to get revenge back on a Fire Nation village. So it's like these gray areas that they try to explore and try not, but luckily the the game knows like, all right, this is wrong. 
they explore gray areas, but they still recognize that these gray areas should not be, uh, should not happen. Well, if I recall correctly, like even when Aang, when a uh, Appa gets kidnapped, like Aang loses control and goes Avatar state, and to oversimplify it, he loses his temper and he knows it's wrong, but he's still a good guy. Yep. Even after, you know, he's, I don't remember what the aftermath of him in the Avatar state is, if people died or whatever, but he, like, he owned up to his mistakes, right? Like, he realized that that wasn't going to solve the problem, that, you know, doing the bad thing wasn't going to save Appa. Yep. And then, finally, like, uh, one thing that, like, I don't like about Digimon that much is... Uh, hear be, careful me out. You, be careful what you say next. It's <laughs> <laughs> usually there's only like one or two characters in the end that is that faces the main villain because they are stronger than the rest of the team because they can't like evolve up their Digimon can't evolve to the same state that they can. Fair enough. That was the but, big critique of the Digimon Adventure 2020 reboot is Matt and Ty got all the attention and all the powers. And everyone else is like, hi, I'm also here. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even get a full evolution sequences except for those two. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the movies did better, but I haven't seen them all, so. But that's a conversation uh, for another time. But yes, yeah. the, Ava the team Avatar was pretty well balanced. They all had mm -hmm. their strengths. Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at Aang, yeah, he can master all four elements, but he couldn't do blood, blood bending like Katara, or he couldn't really... Metal manipulate bending. hello metal bending like uh metal bending. that's one thing i remember <laughs> mm -hmm. there's no so they all metal bending. like no let me let me invent it for you then guys <laughs> <laughs> exactly like so even though he has abilities he can't do everything or he hasn't learned everything that like those that are emphasized in one uh element can do yeah in so. some ways like even though the avatar is like the most powerful bender, the avatar is still a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. So I, I still believe Toph could take Aang out if she wants to with her metal, metal bending powers. But anyway, that's a different discussion. Well, there's memes about like if Toph was the avatar and it's just desolation. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But I think those are five good reasons why you should be give uh, Avatar another try and be a little bit more invested in the show. We got the Cabbage Merchant, Zuko's Redemption, the complexity of the characters, the um, oh shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? The ambiguity of good and evil, that it, that gray area, and just well balanced characters and character development in general. Like everyone gets their screen time, even a lot of the recurring background characters. Exactly. Most importantly, the cabbage merchant. <laughs> I'm still look I'm I'm looking forward to those fan fictions, okay? <laughs> um I'm gonna throw this question at you and I want you to answer just the first one that comes to your mind, since we have another minute or two before we run out of recording time. If you had to pick one filler episode that is worth every second which one would you watch filler episodes 
filler episodes. Because that was my one of my biggest issues was the filler episodes. But that any cartoon or anime, there's a lot of filler usually. See, I feel like there isn't that much filler episodes in Avatar. Um, the one that comes to mind that I thought was nice was in season three when they go to the play. <laughs> the Ember Island, whatever it's mm-hmm. called. And they see the play about themselves. I thought that was funny because it, it does a good job recapping the whole series with a little bit twist on each one, making Aang in the game evil. Well, and you know, and it, it also, now that I'm thinking about it, it gives them a chance of self-reflection that, you know, like, oh, is that really what I'm like? Because it makes them all a caricature of their their real selves because they're being seen from the enemy perspective. Mm-hmm. And then there's Toph, who's played by this big old man, muscle man. Yeah. And she loves it, of course. Uh, And then, like, and it also makes fun of the Great Divide episode, which is known to be the, the worst episode in Avatar. Oh, really? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, like there's one episode that. Well, I remember just, the Great Divide. Yeah, it's it's known as the worst episode because like Ain lied, and it was really a petty reason why these two groups hate each other, or he as made it out to be that. It'd be the Great yeah. Divide. <laughs> but that show, like that episode, made fun of it. So. Oh, that's awesome. So even the creators know it was a poor episode. Oh gosh. Okay, do you want to sign us off with a a, a line of a secret tunnel? <laughs> I don't remember that. Let me look it up. <laughs> All right, let's see. I don't know if I could see it, but I would say it because it's been a while. So two level two lovers forbidden from one another, a war divides their people, and a mountain divides them apart. Built a path to be together. Yeah, and I forgot the next couple of lines, but then it goes secret tunnels, secret tunnels through the mountains, secret, 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 secret tunnel. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Latter day Saint Geeks podcast. We're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, but we don't represent the church in any official capacity. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can see our show notes and blog posts on latterdaysaintgeeks.com, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Latter-day Saint Geeks. Music was provided courtesy of David Schradel.